So today I was uh, thinking about the Overton window and how and what that is. Now, the Overton window is a term and it also can be said as the window of discourse, meaning the things we talk about as a group of people in a country, this one being America. <clears throat> so I'm thinking about that and, and I learned about it the first time through Glenn Beck and uh, he had wrote a book called The Overton Window, which was a fictional book. It was well-written. I like his books. Not a fan of Glenn Beck or The Blaze anymore, but he does have some news people on there that are spot on. So I haven't tuned into him for a while. But, you know, back in the day when he was on uh, CNN, he really had a good show. And actually, it was surprising because he was on CNN and he had a really good show. Um the Overton window is basically as it sounds. It's a window <clears throat> that we assume we're all looking out in life, and that's our window of discourse and what we talk about and how we feel about things. So like I'm looking out my window right now, and I have a specific view. It doesn't change. And that is my, in life, would be my focal point, how I look at the world, how I look at the people I deal with, how I react to them. That would be like my window and what I look at and see as my focal point. How the Overton window works is they will drag your window over one way or the other. And usually it's to the left. And uh, we freak out. We go, I don't like that view. I don't like what I'm seeing here. This is messed up. And so over time, as we have this discourse or this conversation or debate in America, the talking heads and everything on the media will try to downplay that a little bit each time. So they go, well, what he really meant, what he really said. And it may come back a few degrees. And then when you look out the window again, you're like, well, that looks a lot nicer. Now that you've explained the view to me, that's fine. So then the window is nailed down or locked down looking that way. We used to be looking that way. Now we're looking this way. Pretty soon we'll be looking that way. And and politicians, marketing, they everyone uses it one way or another. And so I'm listening to Joe Biden and he's talking about and I guess the question was, you know, how does he feel about the wall and immigration, whatever he was blathering about. And he said, well, I would not want to restrict anyone from getting treatment or denying them access to treatment, whether they're documented or not. Now, if, if you have a clear view of what these politicians are saying, what he's saying is universal health care, single payer, you know, the taxpayer, and, you know, insurance for all. Medicare for all. But he intentionally used the word denied access and treatment. Well, that's a right in America forever. You know, if it's a common sense right. If you're driving down the road and you see someone that's hurt or needs help, they've got a flat tire or whatever, you pull over and you help them. You're not 
denying them access if you drove by. Maybe you're just not capable of helping them. But we are going to stop and help people. We're going to, you know, treat a wounded animal or or get it off the road <clears throat> because that's who humans are, not just Americans. Pretty much a, most human beings have some compassion. So he used that word, denied access and treatment. And, and so the reason they do that, which is kind of sneaky, and Joe Biden, for being as old as he is, so that was a pretty good use of words. Because we listen to it and think, you know, no, Medicare for all, screw you. And most Americans don't want to bankrupt America, not even the liberals. They might think that we can pay for it through some magic pixie dust in a money tree. But when the rubber meets the road, if they see that we are being bankrupted and their constituents are being hurt because new constituents are coming in um, and hurting them, basically, they will even side with uh, the right way to do this. But the talking heads, you know, Joe Biden's way over here when he when he's talking about, you know, Medicare for all and all that. The talking heads came along on the news and started going, well, no, what Joe was saying is we don't, as Americans, deny people. We don't drive past them. We stop and help. And so now you're looking at the facts a little differently. Now, the, the sneaky part of this is when other candidates that maybe are more conservative respond to what's being said, they know because it's part of the discourse that we're talking about nationalized healthcare. So then they will go, no, we're not going to pay for that, meaning insurance for all. The talking heads once again step in and go, so you're just going to let a wounded animal die on the side of the road? You're going to let people die in front of the hospital? You're going to allow it to be like the Wild West and people just start killing each other because of guns? And so they're responding to the actual context of what is being said. And the talking heads are adding their nuances and going, that's not what he meant. So it immediately makes anyone that's conservative look like the bad guy. And, and then all of a sudden, it's like they're, they're fighting an uphill battle. But they're fighting the wrong battle. They don't understand it. It's like you have to, you have to listen to the words. So, you know, if, if I happen to ever be running and, and I wasn't caught up in the moment, and someone goes, what do you think about what Joe said? I, I would have to honestly say, well, as a, as a caring human being, um, I wouldn't deny a tourist that comes into the country and gets sick treatment. I wouldn't deny him access. He's a human being. And that forces the media to go, well, what about national health care? Oh, we're talking about something totally different here. We're talking about redistribution of wealth. We're talking about hurting more people than you're helping by robbing the middle class of even more money. So I'm not going to deny them access or treatment. Access would mean 
they have the ability to walk into an emergency room and go, can you help me? That is access. Insurance is totally different of a word. So they don't answer it right. And what happens is the window is way over here. And then they start bringing it back. And the, and the, and the Republicans jump into this side of the equation and start trying to smooth out the nuances to get the window a little bit more to the right. And then we all agree. And then that's where it gets nailed shut. You never see Republicans actually throwing the ball over here and going, I think we should go back and, and abolish the 17th Amendment and move the window to the right. And then all of a sudden, the, and use the same words to where then when the Democrats say, no, that's stupid, then you can attack them and go, what, what are you against the Constitution? Why don't you come right out and say it that you want, you know, this and that? You like the fact that Congress has been neutered and they have no representation in, in, in government anymore because of the 17th Amendment. Get them over on this side of where the window is looking. That way, as the nuances bring it back around, they might bring it back closer to true north on the right side. But Republicans don't know how to fight. They don't know how to debate. They don't know how to do battle. So they jump into the wrong side of the pool, and then they argue about the temperature of the water in the Democrat pool. And then they go, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna turn it up or down a little bit. And it's like, yeah, we got a victory. No, you didn't. Now, you know, Bernie Sanders, he's kind of actually sounding like in the middle there. You know, he's like, well, there's a lot of poor people out there. We can't let them all in. We can't afford that because, you know, we're, we don't have that much money. So he's still over there, though, in the crazy train, you know, talking about socialism. So all the debates and all the arguments and all the talking that we're going to hear all the way up through the next election will be in the Democrat swimming pool. We'll be talking about the temperature. We'll be talking about the umbrellas, the softness of the towels, the, the crunchiness of the ice, the mix of the Pepsi or the Coke. But we won't be over here in the Republican pool talking about those same issues on that side. It won't happen. And this is the Overton window and how they slide it. And they keep moving you. Like if you look out somewhere and you just go, that's where I'm heading. That, that like, you know, see that hill? That's where I'm going. That hill might be your morality. That hill might be your values, your integrity, your work ethic. That's, that's where you're heading. And then they just pull you over a little bit. And you're like, well, wait a minute. I don't like that. And they go, okay, how about there? That seems a little better. So, you know, a 40-hour work week sounds better than what I'm doing right now, which is a 70-hour work week. It's like, yeah, that looks better. And then, you know, another year goes by, and then they, let's have another discussion. They go, oh, what about that? Like, no, 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 no. I, I don't do that kind of marketing in my business. I'm not that way with my children. I'm not that way. I don't let my kids watch those kind of movies, whatever it is. And they bring it back a little bit. And you're like, oh, well, that's that's not too bad. PG-13, yeah, that's, that's not bad. See, it used to be G-rated for general audience. Now it's PG-13. So it's perverted, but you can watch it if you're 13. So they, they moved it. 
Now, as you go through life, you start finding out that you're looking, you're looking totally 180 degrees, but it's happened incrementally. And now all of a sudden you're like, where's my focal point? Where do I stand when that day comes? Where, where, where am I? Who am I? This is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful wife. You're just, how did this happen? You know, 20 years later, you have no work ethic. You have no values. You have no integrity. You have no principles because you've been pulled slowly to where you, at one time you thought that an issue of, uh, take up abortion since that seems to be in the news, you know, 20 years ago, you're like, no, I will never let my wife get an abortion. That's my baby. And then, you know, I start talking about it and talking about it and talking about it. So eventually, your grand, you know, your, your children's are married and they're going to have children, but they want to, you know, they want to go to college and get a degree and maybe start a life before they have children. And so they go, we're thinking of getting an abortion. And you're like, yeah, I don't agree, but, you know, I understand where you're at. See that difference between where you were and I see where you're at is a lot of degrees off of your your true north. And and it happens. It's life. I mean, we we all change. But does it mean that we always have to change to our detriment? And and that is why when I talk about that, you know, will you stand? You know, it's it's like I was talking to someone today and I said, well, you know, I, I still have a beef with the Oath Keepers, you know, especially of what happened with Lavoie Finnegan. And I go, they yes, they are a group of oath takers, but they don't know what the oath is that they're trying to keep. They need to reread that oath. And then when they go, oh, I'm going to defend the Constitution, enemies, foreign and domestic. What does domestic mean? Well... You know, bad people come into our country. They got a sign that says, I'm a bad person. Stop me. Nobody wears those things. So, you know, they, they, they think they're defending the Constitution. And yet when I talk to them about constitutional principles, they're like, I, I don't know, Mark. I think you're wrong. And it's like, no, actually, I, I think I'm dead right, you know, because I've studied the Constitution. You know, you can't have a standing army. You know, you can't be going to war with everybody without a declaration of war. So I get my heat. You know, people are like, oh, you're freaking crazy, Mark. What the hell are you talking about? What would we do without a standing army? Well, we'd have malicious. Malicious. They're all crazy. Well, they weren't 150 years ago. They are now because that window has been pushed over. You know, Ruby Ridge, Waco, it just moves over. Now, all of a sudden, you know, militias are crazy people. They're a bunch of preppers, a bunch of y'all Qaeda. That's what they are. But it used to be militias were what protected the country. The militias, the founding fathers, during the Revolutionary War, they had a hard time being able to count on the militias showing up in enough numbers to fight the English. You know, they didn't have a standing army, and we, we could do it today. We could protect our borders with our own militias, in our own state, with our own sheriffs. But see, we've been pushed off the mark. So when people tell me, oh, I, I, I defend the Constitution, it's like, really? Because I've had people that have been West Point graduates tell me that the, the President of the United States is commander-in-chief the minute he is elected. 
And I've asked him. I go, well, no, he's commander in chief, according to the Constitution, when there's a declaration of war. Any other time, the military, which would be military, not a standing army, the military falls under the, the auspice of Congress. Because see, Congress deals with the military. They deal with the budget. They buy the tanks. They're the checkbook holders. And, and until the Congress goes, declaration of war, hand it to the president, say, here, you deal with this. Now he's commander in chief. I've had West Point graduates go, you're wrong. I go, well, I've had constitutional lawyers tell me you're wrong. You know, and they'll go, you know, what makes you think you're right? And I go, what makes you think you're right? See, we're, it depends on our point of our position, where we stand based on what we've learned. And I don't mean learn because we heard it on the radio or on TV. We looked it up, we studied it, we found constitutional lawyers, we've read their writings, what they've said about it, we've researched what the founding fathers talked about and their fear of a standing army. And a, and a president being commander in chief and able to enact war whenever he wanted because that's no different than a monarchy which they had fought. So logic, common sense, and English by reading that and learning how to read tells me I'm right because the, the, the Constitution was not a suicide pact. So when you look at it, you're just like, okay, you're an oath keeper and I support you guys. I still pay my dues and I, you know, because I support the organization, they're off base. But a lot of them are oath takers, but they cannot be oath keepers because they've taken an oath that they did not understand because of what they were taught at West Point and in law school and all that. They don't, they don't know. So, you know, we get drug off point and then we're confused. Only you, when that day comes, will know where you're gonna stand and what direction that will be. Anything going that way or anybody tells you, no, 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 we should go over here and then we'll go around that way and then we'll go up over here and then we'll go down there. It's like, no, I'm going that way, that way. And, and, and so we're not gonna have people that have our back when that day comes. And so it'll quite literally be every man for himself. And if you live to fight another day, then you've done good. So you're going to need to have a plan because I feel that it, it is coming. You know, that bloodbath me and Don talked about on the Two Crazy Guys show is coming. And, and just like religion, there's a lot of information out there on religion. There's thousands, in case you were wondering, all based on just the Bible. I'm not talking about Buddhists and all the sects of that. And, you know, the <laughs> there's just, there's Muslims, there's the Jewish people, there's a lot of branches. I just mean thousands that study the Bible and call themselves Christians. So are you going to, are you going to put your salvation, your morality on the line based on what somebody said. Because as you look at it, one way or another, there will be a day of reckoning and a day of judgment. What it's like, I don't know. Who will I be judged by? I don't know. People say, well, Mark, it's easy. You'll be judged by God. It says in the Bible. It says in what Bible? 
God didn't write a Bible. Man wrote a Bible. I try to follow it because I hope good men wrote the Bible, but there were a lot of disgusting, dirty old men 2,000 years ago that were perverts also. So I have to take it with a grain of salt. So I will put my salvation in my hands any day of the week because I know when that day comes and whatever happens that brings about our judgment, whether it's just cancer and we die, that will happen. You, you can only plan so much, just like they'll be at the end of the world as we know it. Crap hitting the fan. La caca storm. And how you survive that, how you deal with it, and how you come out the other end will be solely on you and me and everybody else. And so you can gather as much information as you want. But whether you like it or not, if you set up a perfect camp while you're out camping and you do everything right, and a tree blows over and crushes you, you can't plan for that. You can't plan for whether God will come in a chariot of fire or just show up like a thief in the night. Who knows? Who cares? Get yourself straight and you'll be okay. Same with, you know, the apocalypse, zombies, whatever. If you're okay, you'll be okay. You can't be okay if you're not on guard all the time watching that window, looking out your window, the big picture, and you're seeing it and it's moving on you. You go, wait a minute, dial that back, boys. Right there, yep, that's in that corner. Okay, leave it there. Oh, well, what about this? What about abortion? What about, you know, commander-in-chief? And what about militias? And what about standing armies? It's like, ah, uh, yeah, uh, right there. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm going. And it, and it sounds easy, and it, and it kind of is. You know, and I had recorded this a couple times before, and everything crashed. So, um this is my third attempt. So I'm sure I left a lot of things out because I had a lot of notes at the office when I did this the first time. It's part of a Prepper Guy podcast, and you guys all know me. I will go off in la-la land. I think the takeaway would be that, you know, during the election, they're going to be sliding the scale back and forth, and you need to be watching. And, and it doesn't matter what they say and how they nuance it and the, and the window of discourse and what it's showing you. What really matters is how you see it and does it fit into your view. And then you can make a decision. Then you can pick a candidate. Then you can vote for a candidate. Then you can change the government, change society, do whatever you want. But without that, if, if you're in the dark, you can't see where you're going. So I guess that's the best way to put it. We need to, we need to refocus as preppers because a, a shit storm is coming. And, and it might not be the shit storm, but in our lives, it will be a real bad shit storm. When, you know, when Oklahoma became a dust bowl, who would have seen that coming? Did it, did it destroy America? No. 
Did it wreck a lot of good people's lives? Hell yeah. So it, it doesn't have to be the end of the world. It just has to be the end of your world or the end of my world that will shake everything and leave me standing there wondering what the hell just happened. And so if you end up dead, will you be able to face your creator and go, I really did a good job, didn't I? I, I tried. I didn't let myself get pulled off in the dark alley or whatever it might be. You know, there's a lot of evil out there. When it happens, will you be able to go, I'm good. I've got food and water. I bugged out. I protected my family. We're golden. We'll come back when things are better. Let's talk about tea. Not just any tea. GetTheTea.com. They have all kinds of cool stuff. They have cleansing teas. They have stuff for eye health, stuff from the sea, immune support, stamina and energy, food and protein, and just all kinds of cool stuff. Log on to the website at www.getthetea.com. Log on now. I'm going to move the conversation onto a different topic a little bit because we're talking about abortions and Roe v. Wade, which I, I never did understand that bullshit um, because it started out being a privacy issue and then it moved into a health and safety issue. People believe that the Supreme Court ruled and that's that. The Supreme Court constitutionally does not rule. It doesn't make law. It has opinions and states can go, we'll take it under advisement but we disagree, F you. So it's always been confusing to me, and now that it's become an issue, I was reading about it a little while ago. So Roe v. So Roe v. Wade had to do with the Supreme Court ruled their opinion that due process clause of the 14th Amendment, the U.S. Constitution, provides a fundamental right to privacy. Okay, I don't know what privacy has to do with any of it, but that was the original you know, case. And so I'm wondering after reading this whole thing on Roe v. Wade, which is hard to understand because it, you know, it was in uh, you know, 1973. So, you know, lawyers, they talk a lot about big words so they can confuse us. But I would think that your right to privacy goes away the minute you walk into a public building like a Planned Parenthood and get an abortion. You have the right to privacy. So it's the way I'm interpreting the, the way it was originally ruled on is that I could go kill my neighbor as long as I did it in private. And then if the police wanted to investigate, I could sue them because they're violating my right to privacy. Don't come in here and start investigating. You know, I killed that guy in the dark. No one saw nothing. I have my privacy. Well, okay, maybe a little bit of a gray area there. What about, though, if I kill my neighbor in public? Do I have a right to privacy at that moment? Because the minute you step out of your little protective bubble and people can see you and you're out in public, which Planned Parenthood is a public building, 
then do you have that same right of privacy? And are they denying you due process when you just walked in and said, I want to kill my fetus? And, and the whole thing started out on viability. Well, now it's morphed into this women's health issue, which nowhere in Roe v. Wade does it say anything about the woman's health except one thing, when her life is in danger. Well, okay, so your wife goes in and baby, she's going to have a baby, she's going to die. Well, they can do a C-section now. See, it's, nobody dies anymore. Babies aren't born breached. They're just taken out in C-section. So the mother's life dying is, you know, it used to be like, you know, up here. Now it's like, see that space in between my fingers? There isn't one because it's very rare that a woman would die giving birth. So this, the C-section makes it more viable. And, and so therefore, what are they talking about? A woman's health. She's not going to die. And especially if she's already birthing the baby and the child has entered the birth canal. And then they drill a hole in its head and scramble the brains. The woman's life is more in jeopardy the minute you stop that delivery and kill the child. It's just a, it's like, you know, five more inches and boom, the baby's out. No one died. So I, I don't see it on a, on a health issue whatsoever. And it's not a woman's right to terminate her baby. If, if she doesn't want the baby, just leave it at the fire station. No questions asked. They'll take it and put it in an orphanage or adopt it or whatever. So to me, you know, the word terminate is misused. You know, terminate a pregnancy. Well, if I want to terminate my marriage, can I kill my wife? I guess I could if it was in private. Nobody has the right to deny me due process. So I can terminate my, my spouse in private. And my life was in danger because all I got to do is say, oh, my life was in danger. So I think it's all horseshit. I think the Supreme Court made a big giant mistake because they have no values and no principles in the 70s. The decision was based on social engineering and, and mob rule and what people wanted at that time, which the Supreme Court is not supposed to offer opinions based on the consensus of a bunch of polling data. It's supposed to be Constitution and what the Constitution says. And the Constitution says you cannot deny a person life, liberty, and happiness. So life is killing a fetus that denied that, that fetus life. Um, it was viable, so it was alive. Liberty, well, it got none of that. And, and Roe v. Wade is not denying liberty. She could go walking right into Planned Parenthood or in a back alley and get an abortion. They should both be arrested, you know, the doctor and the mother, but they, they have liberty. You have the right to, and to go do whatever you want. I got the right to go run someone over. I will still get arrested. So they're not denying liberty. Happiness had to do with property, ownership. So... I don't see any of that being constitutional whatsoever. Now, I'm a simpleton, so maybe I'm wrong. But when you look at the Constitution, it was pretty pretty uh, simple. 
we have all the rights. And the federal government was told, this is what you can do. See, like, look at it like you hire someone, you know, to mow your yard. And you go, you mow this, you rake that, and you you can't prune a tree unless you ask me. I can prune a tree anytime I want. You can't. Do that, do that. That is your scope of what I'm hiring you to do. Now, all of a sudden, the federal government thinks they can call me up and go, we're going to take out all your trees. We're going to cut that one down, prune that one, take your grass out and plant gravel. Well, up yours, landscaping company. So we created a property management company when we created the federal government. Manage the territories, manage this shit, and do what we tell you to do. That's why the Constitution is a charter of negative liberties, what Obama said, to the federal government. Because the federal government was created. It became the thing that the Constitution created. It was a compact. It was like opening a model and then building that model. And look, oh, I got a Camaro. The model of a Camaro. What can it do? Well, the wheels can't spin and the engine isn't in there. It doesn't really start and there's really not leather interior in there. That's all it could do. That's it. And it can't tell you how to put it together. So we created a federal government. That's why I think the state flag should always be on top because the states are superior to the federal government. We created it. This, the, the United States flag might represent all 50 states and that's great and I'm proud of it. But that flag doesn't represent that anymore. What it represents is a federal government that are full of corrupt bastards. So they were given limited power by mommy and daddy and the states are mommy and daddy the federal government are the children mowing the lawn and doing what we told them to do. So Roe v. Wade is horseshit. The Supreme Court was full of crap. They're a bunch of morons. No one ever said they're, uh, they're appointed for life, except I think FDR and that. S Supreme Court justices can be impeached. It can be disbarred. It can be kicked to the curb. We don't know that. They don't tell us that. So. Their opinion in the case of Roe v. Wade should have been very narrowly defined dealing with privacy and probable cause. They, meaning the federal government and the Constitution, does not grant the federal government any authority to define life. So they were quite a bit out of their wheelhouse when they um, made an opinion on Roe v. Wade. But uh, they could have had an opinion that could have defined better what life was in their opinion, but they didn't do that. They mentioned that it might be viable, but that didn't really define life. Now, we've all seen court cases where somebody um, is murdered and they were pregnant and the defendant will be charged with a double homicide. And it really doesn't matter if the woman was uh, three, four weeks pregnant or three or four months pregnant. They always treat it as a double homicide. So states can define life 
but the federal government was never given that authority. So once again, in spite of Roe v. Wade being a Supreme Court ruling, um, they don't make rules and they don't make laws. So it will always be kicked back down to the state. And if the Supreme Court opinion is repugnant to the Constitution, which I talked about, you know, life, liberty, and happiness, then it becomes void. And states do not um, have to follow the opinion. So it isn't settled law. Um, and the, era, the, the, the idea of it is still open for debate. Now, I know the left would like to rant and rave about overthrowing Roe v. Wade, and you can't do that, and you can't do this. It's settled law. This is what the Supreme Court said. That's what they ruled. Shut up and go back to work and pay your taxes. But they don't have that same vehement opinion when it comes to the Heller decision and the rights of individuals to possess a firearm. Now, all of a sudden, these opinions and rulings should be overturned. And states will continue to make it so hard to buy a gun that they're blatantly ignoring the Supreme Court. So on one hand, they want the Supreme Court to be the supreme law of the land. And on the other hand, it's open for debate and we don't have to follow the Supreme Court. So go figure. We interrupt your programming. This is a national emergency. Important instructions will follow. So there's, there's one more thing I wanted to talk a little bit about, which is when you, when you, when you look at these groups, I'm reading a book and, and, and two groups are trying to destroy America, basically. So you, you, you have the true patriots and then you have groups like Antifa and all that. And they're actually called that in the book. So I'm not just picking on them. <clears throat> So both groups are have a goal. And when you when you listen to the in the book, the speeches that both parties give, they're pretty much in sync. We're being, you know, the, the government is tyrants, you know, we are freedom fighters like the founding fathers. This is what we used to do, and we need to do it again. The disconnect comes once they reach a certain point in their rhetoric and their planning that they deviate and, and split. Patriots blame big government for screwing everything up. Social groups, Antifa and the lot, blame corporate rule and, and some big brother, but they know they need big brother to you know, 
pay the bills. And so they start deviating off in different directions. And I was thinking, you know, we have a lot in common with these anarchy groups. If we could just get them at the table and go, your enemy and my enemy, the two boogeymen are actually part of a, a cabal of boogeymen. And we, and we both want the same thing, you know. Antifa and then people feel like they're being held down by the man. Uh, yet most of them, I'm not going to say most of them, I'm just going to say a whole hell of a lot of them don't work. Um, they get paid to protest. And they hate the government so much they don't even want to be part of it. Just don't take away their federal check. Most patriots hate the federal government, but they're not willing to give up that federal check either because most of them work for the government. That's why we like a big government because there's a lot of jobs. So we have a common enemy and it's the meshing of big government and big business picking winners and losers in these regulations and this tyranny of red tape that have created this cohesive leviathan that we both think are separate both parties think they're separate and we think it's all the government's fault and blah 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 and they think it's corporate american and freaking one percenters and blah 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 the reality is we have a common enemy and we should have a common goal it's hard to convince a lot of these groups like antifa that if we actually were following the constitution their lives would be what they would like it to be because nothing beats freedom and liberty they're being told with that sliding of the window again that communism and socialism is the way to get to what they want and i think that's uh, the media and and the big cabal trying to drive everything apart in into pieces because it's easier to you know break it up you, it's harder to burn a big oak log but if you split it into a bunch of pieces it just burns up like kindling an oak log will burn for days you shred it into little tiny sticks it'll burn up pretty quick just like a, a thousand little matches so they're they're splitting us apart but the, but the reality is if if you look at like black lives matter I was talking to one of their you know she's not a member but she's very sympathetic to them and i said well you know i, I said too bad black lives matter has gone on a on a hunt for money and she goes, what do you mean? And I go, well, you know, white people, brown people, Indian people, Chinese people, nobody wants to get shot by a cop. We have so much in common that we could work together. But then, then the leaders divide us apart. It's like, we don't want white people in here. We're going to call it Black Lives Matter. But to, see, there was a goal originally to, for cops to stop shooting black kids in underprivileged neighborhoods whatever the motivation was it's fine but if they want to solve the problem if they would go to the sheriff and get the sheriff to arrest the cops which he can do or she can do problem solved well problem with pro uh, solving the problem is and there's no more problem you don't need any more money 
So they, they bring in the government, they bring in the FBI, they bring in law enforcement, they bring in the media, they get a bunch of support and they raise a shit ton of money and then they go out and protest to get some more notoriety, to get some more money that the problem hasn't solved and, and Black Lives Matter has raised a lot of money for their cause. But it hasn't been solved because the minute you solve it, you're kind of out of work. And and the same thing with you know patriot groups. We don't want the government, but we want their paycheck. We want a big military and a standing army who will come in and stomp us into the dirt when that day comes. So we have an enemy. And then we have these groups that are organized and powerful. But they've they've broken it up into so many little groups that you 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 can't get together and fight. You can't fight that big of an enemy that is standing together because it's the federal government. It's got all of our money. They can do whatever they want. You can't fight that, see, unless you can come together. So the book is really cool. And, and you're starting to see these alliances because, honestly, they want the same thing. Their methods of getting it, I have no problem with. Because eventually it comes time for anarchy and it comes time for protests and it comes time to fight in the tree of liberty and all of that. But if you really listen to the messaging, we're really simpatico. And yet we've allowed the media to set the agenda and the tone, which just goes to prove we need to have a bloodbath because the media, the government, and big businesses is telling us why we're mad at them. That's kind of messed up, don't you think? And and you know, it's it's throughout history. Yeah, it's just and we, I don't think, as the people can solve it because now we've been divided way up. But just like in the Bible and the Tower of Babel. When you divide people that much and there's no cohesiveness, eventually everyone spreads to the four corners again and shit falls apart and then you start over again. So I don't, I don't see a, a, a way to fix it all. I see a shit storm coming. But the only way you're going to avoid it is just to duck. So that's my uh, third and final point. And like I said, I had a lot of issues. And there's there's times when I want to really record a podcast and I'm all fired up and yeah. And then, then the software just fucks it all up. So I'm sorry. Um, been rambling a bit, trying to regather my thoughts from Monday. Today is Thursday. So there's that much time has lapsed from the spark of that idea until the fire burned out. But I wanted to get this podcast out and, and bring up those those points. Because one, the Overton window is being used on us. It's being used to divide us. It's being used to manipulate us and to tell us what we think and why we don't like them. It's being used to control us. And, and it's being used by the media. And if you don't have a moral compass, you're going to fall for all this bullshit like Roe v. Wade. And there's thousands of other court cases out there. That's just the one in the tip of my tongue right now. And and we have a lot of 
commonality with some of the people that we hate right now. And, and I, for one, really wouldn't have a problem with all these anti-government groups and Antifa groups and patriot groups coming together. And if they all just sat down and went, holy shit, I didn't know you were saying the same thing I am. You just use different words. Let's all get together and go kick their ass. That's not going to happen either. And so all you have left is your point of view. Not to force on the people, but to know where you're going to stand when that day comes. I've said it before and I'll continue to say it. When that day comes, where will you stand? And in it, and I don't mean where you're going to end up when you fall out of an airplane and live through, you know, something like shit hitting the fan. It's not that. Where will you stand? Where will you stand morally? Where will your values be, your work ethics, what you will tolerate and not tolerate from people? Will you shake hands with what you once thought was your enemy because you find out they're a good person and they're fighting the same fight, the, the, the freedom of America? Because trust me, if you listen to all of it, there's some pretty common threads running through all of it. But I think we're going we're gonna to divide, become weak, and be taken over by socialists. Because that's, that's where the window is heading. So we will talk to you all next time. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you didn't, Send me a comment on YouTube or send me an email, mark at prepperguy.com. Tell me, shut the hell up. Um, if you got any advice on using OBS and Reaper, that would be awesome because I really kind of suck at this stuff. And uh, if you subscribe, be sure to get notified. Um, as you know, I don't post a shit ton of videos, so I'm not going to annoy you to death. But you can keep up on my madness. Um, watch the Two Crazy Guys, uh, twocrazyguys.com. That's the number two, crazy with a K. Um, for now, that's it. Adios and enjoy the apocalypse.